Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. They say it takes a village to raise a child. I'm Catherine Ryan, and here we draw on my conversations with experts on Nine to Noon to help you navigate family life. Well, now, having a child who turns up his or her nose at a variety of foods, which often excludes vegetables, can send parents, well, I don't know, sometimes to a great lengths of frustration. But how do you tell between whether it's just a fussy eating phase or a restricted eating problem? And if it persists, how and where do you seek help? With us, Dr Kath Conan, a senior lecturer in the School of Sport, Exercise and Nutrition at Massey University. Hi, Kath. Hi there. And with us too, Emily Jones, also from Massey, who's a speech and language therapist and who runs the Active Eating Clinic, which treats children with restrictive eating. Uh, Good morning to you. Hi, Catherine. You've done a documentary on this topic together. Can you define what we're talking about with restrictive eating? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, I think one of the things we'd like to get up front is that we really don't like to put labels onto children. Um, I think fussy eating is something that, you know, most parents, as you've identified, are going to face at some point. It's a really common developmental stage. About one in three children are probably going to have face some kind of food restriction or food refusal at some point. And so there isn't really one characteristic that we can say, oh, that defines a fussy eater and that defines a restrictive eater. Um, What we tend to be more concerned about is we're really concerned about the variety of foods that a child eats. So for a normal fussy eater, as long as they're having that variety of foods so that they get all the nutrients that they require, then, you know, you can be um, reassured. Um, But those children that really restrict the number of foods, and particularly if they restrict a whole food group, um, then we start to get a little bit more concerned. Mm. Restricting a food group, so we're talking about, what, no vegetables or no... Just give give us some examples, perhaps, that might help illustrate uh, the, the difference between that annoying phase that you you know persist with and something where you may have more of an issue or, or you may really need to do something to, to compensate perhaps because something's missing from the diet. Give us some examples. Yeah, so food groups. So when we talk about food groups, you're quite right. We talk about vegetables and we talk about all the vegetables. So we talk about vegetables and fruit and we talk about uh, milk or milk alternatives. And so that's what we really mean. If they're excluding a whole food group, so if they're not eating any vegetables or any fruit, then, you know, that that's time to do something. Another way also, I guess, when I look out for red flags around restrictive eaters, um, we'd, we'd expect... Um, I'd be concerned if children had maybe less than 20 base foods in their diet. Um, as Kath said, if they were restricting whole food groups or whole food textures, um, they had trouble eating hard-to-chew foods. Um, and um, also, if, um, oh, sorry, yep, and um, if also they had more immature feeding skills, which is, yeah, which you see where they're not having those hard-to-chew foods, especially things like um, harder meats or unprocessed fruit and veg. What ages are in play for both situations? Just a your average picky eater, and for something where you'd want to where you'd want to act. What age does this often occur? 
Okay, so for your um, normal fussy eater, that generally occurs somewhere between 18 months to three years of age. And then if it persists beyond that, particularly when we start to see real restriction in key foods that we're concerned about, um, yeah, then we're talking being a little bit more concerned after that age, that normal age range. Yeah. The twenty, the base foods, 20 base foods, what, are, what would they be? So you kind of look thinking about, as Cass said, with food groups, so I kind of give kind of parents a chart and we'd have, so protein would be, I'd say, you know, how many proteins that child have, um, how many fruit and vegetables, how many kind of grains and other carbohydrate foods do they have um, all together. So kind of um, I sometimes look at, you know, 30, so 10 carbs, you know, 10 proteins, 10 fruit and veg. And, yeah, I think if they have less than 20, that's um, – that's is quite restrictive and I mean I've had children who had less than that who've come to our clinic but sometimes what you'll see it could be that they have a lot of those carb foods um, so breads and um, crackers and things like that but are missing proteins or and missing um, fruit and veg. Proteins being your milk, your cheese, um, yeah, yogurt yeah, yeah, type yeah. foods and, and, and meat as meat. well often an important yeah. source of that. Yeah. Veggies are they often the problem? Very often. In fact, it's usually what we find is that um, that's what parents are most concerned about is that children are not eating um, enough vegetables. And then the other hard-to-eat food is, of course, meat, particularly if it's not um, if it's not been processed in some way, such as a burger or a sausage. It's, it, it can be quite a hard food to eat. What are some of your solutions for the ordinary fussy kid? The veggies, the, the old trick is just to grate it up till they can't see it, right? <laughs> Do you know, so Catherine, that's a really interesting one because if you um, if you grate vegetables and you put them into um, one of your main meals and those vegetables kind of get absorbed, something like a lasagna or in a... Um, There's nothing left? Is that what you're going to yeah, tell me? Yeah, and then are we actually teaching children to um, eat vegetables or are we actually sneaking them in by hiding them in those foods and just being happy that that child has accepted them? Well, if they're two. For, <laughs> you know. Well, give me some advice then for different ages for ways that you believe they can be encouraged to have a good enough diet, a round enough diet. What are some of the tips? So um, one of the things that we think is really important is that children actually need to learn to eat. I think it's something that we forget. You know, you often see parents teaching their children to read, helping them to learn to walk, helping them to learn to write. But when do we actually sit down and teach children how to eat? And I think particularly with some of those harder to eat foods or when you're trying to get a child to accept a new food, we forget that, you know, that child is going to want to know something about that food. They want to know that it's safe to eat, that they that it's going to taste like something that they're familiar with, that maybe it's going to be a little bit more difficult to chew, perhaps they've got to move it around their mouth, get it onto their back teeth and start chewing it. And I think that's definitely something that we forget to do. I've had others give the same advice. Often one of the best ways to get a fussy eater eating is to help for them to help prepare because they do seem to have a thing, kids, about whether they can trust what's coming their way. It's funny because at various stages they seem to eat anything and everything, that, including dirt and worms. But, <laughs> but, but at a certain age that seems to be a thing. Can you, can you elaborate, Emily? Yeah, absolutely. And it goes right back because it's not just 
helping out with preparing food. You, you, we need to talk to children in the supermarkets about when we're shopping and choosing foods. We need to get them into the gardens and helping to grow foods. And, and if children are involved with those choices and then involved with the preparation of food, that's a great way that they then learn about the foods, they're more likely to accept them. And even, um, you know, cutting up um, soft vegetables with a blunt um, instrument, great um, because you can always get a child to um, taste foods as you're preparing it and that's another great way to expose them and get them involved. Kath, this is about investing time and has this become part of the problem in some ways? Everyone is so darn busy and rushing and not only do you want to ideally be sitting down together, hopefully, and, and, uh, and dining together where you can teach some of these skills. That's right. Um, but also, um, what was I just going to say? Just, just, just spit out of my head. There's, there's patience to... sometimes. There's patience and time. We all are eating so fast these days. Yeah, I think in the States they reckon that um, families are eating one meal per day in the car. And you think, oh, I'd never do that. But actually, we, we do because, you know, if you've got other kids or you're picking them up from school and you're um, transporting them to the next sporting activity and, you know, you do feed children in the car. And yeah. we are all time pushed. You know, breakfast, it's no longer, you know, um, you don't sit around a table with your um, family eating breakfast or even other meals. And so I think we have to find some really good solutions for parents in this kind of time-poor environment that em we have. Emily, what do you do with the Active Eating Clinic? Oh, so we have um, we have an interprofessional clinic, so it's run by um, SL um, speech-language therapists and dietetic students with us um, at the university. And um, we mainly see, I guess, children who... Um, uh, who have more restrictive diets, so they usually come to us with the less than 20 foods. Um, what we do, we we have a mixture. We sometimes have group, um, we have groups that come together because we often find it's nice for children to learn off their peers. And um, But also for some children, they really prefer and um, we get better results in a one-to-one -one situation because sometimes the noise of a group or um, just having other smells around them, we, we need to kind of really contain that for them so that they are getting more confidence um, trying, trying to get up their hierarchy and accepting difficult-to-eat foods. Are there some underlying issues? I, I think another category we're going to talk about them in, in a moment because we've got some emails on it is this question of children who have food restrictions perhaps because of allergies and I don't want to get confused again. When we use that word restricted eating problem is that more the, 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 the child's own um, uh, dislike of a, of a range of foods and, and uh, inclination towards limiting the range of foods? I think um, I, what I find a lot of, and it's often not obvious to people, but these children have immature feeding skills. Um, they're often not. Um, so, for instance, to have harder to chew foods, our tongue needs to lateralise and move side to side. Um, some children just aren't, aren't doing that. And, it, you know, they're, they're speaking, their speech is okay and things like that. You're not picking up that there's something wrong, but there's these subtle differences. And these are the children who, yeah, they're they're missing that and it could be and sometimes a red flag could be that they've been on they've been having a lot more milk in their diets they could be still having bottle feeds because it's been easier to get things in that way um, but a lot of these children I find yeah have immature feeding skills they might also have difficulties with um, with touching certain textures not just food but they again have trouble touching things like um, sand and and dirt and and have, doing just that play in preschool um, and also I find there's a lot of family stress when they come. So um, it's definitely affecting kind of every mealtime. And so family stress is really emphasised because we know we eat so many times a day. And so when every meal is, 
is is stressed, um, yeah, that leads to a lot of family stress. And is this yeah. is this is the, is it a self perpetuating cycle? The the stress around meals can increase the stress on the family, which then increases the um, the, the stress the child is feeling. Oh, look, definitely, and you know. I think that's and I have so many parents who come in who they just they're just completely stressed out and you've got to think too sometimes you've got two parents have come from you know they've been brought up differently they've got different parenting styles as well um, and especially when you have a child who does have a real restrictive um, eating difficulty um, it's really hard for other people to understand and it could be people in their own in you know in their own family and so and they've been getting advice from all sorts of people you know they're mother's group, um, in-laws, their own parents. And that just leads to um, a huge amount of stress and feeling, you know, as a mother and a family, oh, what what am I doing wrong? Like, you know, and I think a lot of mums come in feeling very, very stressed. And I just, that's, I think, a really important thing for me to say, this is nothing to do with you. Um, this is something that um, has eventuated and we're there to help and give you strategies. Do they often tend to choose certain types of foods? I think you mentioned high carbs before. Are these children often attracted also to, 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 to processed foods? Is it anything to do with the colour or the texture of vegetables or, or, or having seen perhaps a slab of unprocessed meat? Um, what are some of the factors in their decision-making, if, if there's any pattern? Look, we do find that a lot of children will go, we kind of call it the beige brigade or 50 shades of beige. You know, they really like um, foods that, and I think for them too, high, different colours, bright colours can be, we would eat with our eyes first. And so some of that can be quite visually overwhelming for some children. So they do go for those more beige and white foods. So that's where you're seeing the the bread, potato sticks. And, and look, you know, processed foods, and look, I'm, I guess I'm thinking particularly for children restrictive eating. Look, for me, I use processed foods a lot because it's a bridge to get to the foods I want them to get to. So, you know, with processed foods like chicken nuggets, um, it's been it's one texture. So it's easier if you have a child who has delayed oral motor skills or finds things quite overwhelming, quite sensitive in their mouth, those processed foods are easier to eat. Um, and so what I want to do is, though, I want to grade them from that processed food um, so, for example, I do um, I do something called food chaining and we say go from um, something they eat like chicken nuggets and I will slowly progress them to get to a harder and harder meat texture, but at a pace that they're used to um, and then I'm doing it that, you know, and giving them the skills along the way, you know, making sure they can, they can tolerate that. A question here. My seven-year-old son eats very few foods. It's the same thing each day. He gags and sometimes vomits when he tries new foods or if it's a texture he doesn't like. What can we do to help him? Uh, we're waiting for a paediatric appointment, uh, but what, what's your response? Okay, um, we would definitely recommend that um, the first line should be actually going to your GP and doing exactly what you've done, getting that referral and waiting for that referral. Because for very complex cases, and there does sound as if there are some issues here around the choking and mm. um, things like that, is that you really want that whole medical team around you so that you're assessed for everything. Mm. Okay, thank you. Another one. I have a nearly five-year-old who has FPIES, food protein enterocolitis syndrome, which entails serious allergies to dairy, soy, chickpea and egg. She also gets stomach migraines, which she's only recently been diagnosed with, but we think it existed throughout her life. The triggers seem to be chocolate stress and a tummy too full or too empty. Um, can your advice on fussy eating... Uh, please cover what to do with kids for kids with food restrictions. My specific question would be: How do we encourage you to eat enough protein? 
Okay. Oh, because I guess you've given us a bit of a medical diagnosis there. Like I, um, like I'm very clear when people come. I need to know. You know, I can't have children who are allergic to things in our clinic. You know, there's other kids around. So I think for that, I, I really need has to be seen by a doctor and a dietitian. We, I, and see, for me too, I said that the dietitians assess our children first because I need to know what is missing. Um, what are, are they missing nutritionally so that I can work on helping them with their texture progression. Um, so I would need advice from a dietitian before um, they came to me. That really is a specialist, yeah. Uh, yeah, a really specialist specialist. issue. Are we seeing, um, I, I guess, the, I, I mentioned the availability, of, about eating fast is one thing, but the availability of fast foods, the sheer preponderance of them, are there some children for whom the enjoyment of those foods mean they're just not interested in anything else uh, and, and trying to get something that's been produced at home out of the garden even um, is a real battle. Is, is that common? I think we're all under that pressure, aren't we? I mean, we're we're time poor. Um, we have greater reliance on those convenience foods. Um, those Emily's already highlighted that those more processed foods are easier to eat. Um, so I think we're all under that pressure, and I think that it's important that we remember that the current recommendations are that children have three meals a day and two snacks. But maybe thinking about those snacks and trying not to use those processed snacks because the snacking time is a good time to encourage fruits and vegetables and then to um, make sure that um, you know they're not full up by the time it comes to the meal time. A couple more emails. My four-year-old refuses all fruit and vegetables except roast potatoes. I can't seem to get her to even try anything, uh, even when her brother is eating everything in front of her. She started to refuse other things now as I feel she thinks she can get away with it. I'm worried about nutrients. Yeah, we, we need fruit and vegetables in our diet, so I can understand why this um, mum is worried. And um, I think that it does create that stressful situation, but she can see that the other child is eating those um, fruits and vegetables, so um, it's obviously not something that she's done. And probably um, for that child... Um, I'll hand over to Emily. <laughs> um, I, was just, I had um, some ideas. Look, um, again... You know, since fruit and vegetables, you know, she's having a bit of tricky, tricky time with that. Look, I, I do a lot of this, um, like you talk about grading our textures. So, um, you know, you can, you know, sometimes I start kids right back to, so for example, apples um, are really, really hard to chew foods. You know, they're hard. So I sometimes use freeze dried fruit. Um, Kiwi Garden's a good brand that you get um, in the supermarket and it's, it's kind of becomes like a dissolvable texture. Um, and there's another brand that does that. Again, you don't have to go that far. You could just do, I, I use mandolins and things and do really, really thin slices. And just doing those thin slices just make it much easier um, instead of having a big chunk of fruit and vegetables. Um, and the kids really love doing that. And we do a lot of chopping in our clinic, lots of using different kitchen utensils and in cutting shapes out and things like that. Um, that would be, and just getting her hands on things and getting her to actually be feeling the food. I think it's really important that kids can she, if they accept things with their hands, often that's a really great way to accept them into their mouth. Another. Uh, my stepson went through a period where he would only eat white rice. He was about eight at the time. He grew out of it and has not affected him. A friend's daughter went through a stage where she would only eat raw snow peas and tomatoes. She went through this for a year and finally grew out of it. I guess the question is, is it often a phase it can really depend. I mean, what we see here is we see some great examples of mm. children who went through that phase and obviously did grow out of it. But there are some children, mm. particularly if we find that they've got immature feeding skills, 
um, that aren't immediately obvious, that you know they're not going to grow out of that unless they have a little bit of more support and a little bit more training on how to develop those skills. Mm. So the answer is yes, some children will, and yeah. no, some children won't. This one's interesting because just reading it, I'm not sure how restrictive this diet is, and I'm interested in your take on it. Uh, this email says my granddaughter has a very restrictive diet; will only eat foods served a certain way. She'll eat chicken wraps, but not roast chicken lasagna and spaghetti bolognese. She does eat some fruit but not vegetables. She likes milk with chocolate powder, cornflakes, and that's about it. Advice, please. I don't have an age, but... Yeah. <laughs> um, I wonder... Um, it's interesting, when you said about the chicken wraps, I wonder, um, a lot of the time, I will pair familiar foods that they accept um, with a new food. So, for example, a lot of the kids, you know, they love crackers, and so often I'll try and put some new foods on that safer food. Um, and I wondered if this child likes having chicken in the wrap because it's easier for her to, um, she, she prefers that instead of having it without. And a lot of kids, um, they love having crunchy coatings, especially on meats. That's a really nice thing to do um, is to um, do put things in, um, you know, to bread them. And, and then if you want, you can make it a bit more coarse with, you know, a wholemeal coatings. But kids really love that. Um, makes it easier for them. One more here. I have a five-year-old that eats a pretty good range of things, picky about fruit and veg, but do, I do get a few of them in, or does get a few of them in, but really struggles when it comes to red meat and chicken. Occasionally she's happy to eat a lamb cutlet or a chicken tender, but flat out refuses mince and steak. I wonder if this falls into the hard-to-chew category, and if that's a problem in itself, or she'll eventually grow, uh, grow into it. Is there an age? Did you uh, five? Five, yeah. Um, look, yeah. I think for me, yeah. It's I. I find it really useful to to especially. I think after age about fifteen to eighteen months, if they're still having trick, uh, having difficulty, um, it's be interesting to try and evaluate that. Um, I, just advice in the meantime, though. Look, she's really on the right track with the chicken tenders. Again, that's like that chaining. So you can go to nuggets, popcorn, chicken, then go tenders. Um, and then try more fillets, um, keeping them crumbed, and then eventually working up to roast chicken. Same with steak. Look, with steak, I would try and um, I would go back to having much more thin slices of meat, if proper, even starting with luncheon, and then working your way, kind of grading up from there. It means going sausages. Um, she said she didn't like mince, did she? But um, something in between, just something that is a bit more grated down instead of a big piece of steak. So maybe those, um, if you get it in um, those goujon um, or just having the stir-fry steak pieces, maybe a better way. One last one. My three children are all picky eaters. They're constantly focusing on sweets and processed foods. How normal is this? Are we bad parents? A family member was being very negative and hassling us about oh. this. Oh, I know. I, oh, I get really cross when I hear those things. Ages um, 9 to 13. Ah, uh, Look, I... I just wonder what said what Kath said. Look, I am very much around um, and what the guidelines say about three main meals and and snacks. What I would try and do is for snack times, I, I try and put people on a bit of a schedule. So um, I with my more restrictive feeders, I really want parents to concentrate on volume for their main meals so that the stress is taken out. And snack time, I want them to try something new. So, for example, I'll often get them to have maybe – fruit, um, a slice of apple and yogurt or some carrot sticks and hummus. And if they don't even eat that snack, say they don't have it, I don't want anyone to stress out because in less than two hours their main meal is coming with something that they you know they'll like. Um, and I think it's really important. I think we really react to kids being hungry. And I think it's going, oh, look, that's great. You're hungry because you're going to eat lots at your at your at, um, at dinner time. And to really schedule it out, I think 
yeah, just have a bit of a schedule happening for yourself so you know that in less than two hours, you know, there's going to be another meal. Thanks both of you very much to uh, Emily Jones and Dr. Catherine Conlon. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com.